Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond and this is a show where we explore the science, the stories and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone so you can find where the magic happens for you. Uh, today we've got a pretty special guest for you, uh, Bill or better known as Doc Kerr, the CEO and founder of AdventureFit. Um, he is one of the co-hosts of AdventureFit uh, Radio who you would have also met the the co-host uh, Tom Ahern a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Um, Bill is an awesome dude, and we chat through chat through a whole lot of stuff, uh, kind of reshaping your values in the world, uh, kind of learning to understand about yourself and and look after yourself, uh, making the world a happier place through uh, conversation, through travel, through mindfulness, through meditation, through exercise. Uh, where Bill wants to go in terms of adventure fit and what he's doing with that. Uh, we even have a little bit of a chat about uh, him banning his mum from asking him questions. So if you guys like the show, make sure that you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It uh, does a whole lot to help the show uh, get a little bit more vis- visibility and helps me book more awesome guests. And also, if you've been listening for a while and you're enjoying what you hear, make sure you leave a rating and review on the on your podcast app as well. Again, just helps us get out into more ears and into more minds. But thank you guys for taking the time to get uncomfortable with Doc and I today. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast, mate. How are you today? Yes, I'm good. Um, I'm very actually comfortable, so it's the wrong. Uh, I'm, I've, I've set the wrong tone for the show, but um, I'm going right. Yeah, <laughs> that is unfortunate, mate. We'll have you. Uh, we'll have you sweating a little bit by the end of it, hopefully. <laughs> All right. No um, <laughs> Bill, can you let me and the listeners know a little bit more about you, uh, like where you grew up, uh, where you're from, and also, maybe are there any kind of big formative experiences that have that have happened to you in your youth that have shaped you as the person that you've become today? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, um, my name's Bill Kerr. People call me Doc. Um, only really my my mother calls me Bill. Um, but I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, which is about uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half south of Melbourne. Um, Small little coastal town, uh, played football as a junior growing up. Um, yeah, I, I moved to the city a few years ago, three or four years ago, probably four or five years ago now, moved to the city of Melbourne uh, when I started AdventureFit, my, my company. I grew up with a pretty, pretty, standard, um, pretty standard happy family, playing local sport, um, getting out and surfing and riding my bike and all the stuff that kids do. So I had a good, you know, I had a, had a very... Good upbringing, really loving family. You know, I'm very blessed to have been as lucky as I am um, to be born where I'm born and with the family and the friends around me and so forth. Um, 
stuff that uh, stuff that shaped me early on. Uh, I would say, obviously, I work in um, I work in basically uh, these days. The way that I explain what I do is I'm trying to trying to impart a little bit more happiness on the world through travel, exercise, mindfulness, and conversation. But it wasn't always that way. Um, I invested in real estate when I was 19 uh, for the first time. I bought uh, second and third house before I was 22 years old, and I was very, very focused on money. Um, I thought money was the, the key to happiness and the key to success, and all you needed to have was a big bank balance, and you would be happy, and you would be successful, and people would think the world of you. Uh, then when I was about 22, I was, um, I was ill for a year. I had, uh, had some problems with, uh, with my health, and then I realized, and I obviously came out the other end, no way, but I realized halfway through that 12-month period that I was the light bulb had uh, switched on in, in my head, and I figured out that my, prior, uh, my priorities were all upside down. So I started to value experiences and friendships and stories mainly over, um, over money, monetary success, and I started traveling the world. Traveled extensively for three or four years, maybe five years, depending on you know what you say extensively. But I spent a lot of time in um, Southeast Asia, a lot of time in Central and South America, Africa. I I, I went everywhere, and then it, it kind of solidified the thought that you know I want to show people the world. I want people to travel. I want to I want to impart people. I want to impart happiness on people, and I want to um I want to try and have a, a positive impact. I didn't know how that was going to come about, but I knew. That that was where I was going to try and take my life, rather than the, the the avenue that I was going down, which was, in some people's eyes, I would have been seen as very successful early uh, early on. Um, but in my eyes, I had all the money, all the equity, all the renown as a young dude, and I I was just like, yeah, but this is not this is not what it's all about. So that definitely shaped who I am today. Awesome, mate. Thanks for sharing that. There's a couple of things that I want to kind of pull out of that. So. I mean, in the society that we live in, uh, like we're kind of constantly bombarded with, yeah, money is the key to happiness. You can, uh, you can buy the new Tesla or you can buy the new iPhone, and that um, that shit is going to make you happy. Um, and I've got nothing against those those two things. They're they're pretty awesome stuff. But. Um, when you were kind of when you were in that space, when you were investing in real estate and making money and things, is that kind of did you feel that that was right for you at the time? Because I know that you, I know that you got sick, but before you got sick, while you were in that space, was that something that kind of, you were like, "Yeah, this is this is awesome. I'm enjoying this," or was there always kind of an undercurrent of, eh, "I'm not not sure that this is me." Um, to be perfectly honest, to be perfectly in that first um, first little. A few words that I spoke about, I painted it in a pretty, in a pretty mm, negative light. But I did enjoy what I was doing. I did enjoy. Um, I I enjoyed real estate. I did enjoy it. It was my first passion. I get I get addicted to things, and I I put everything um, in my spare time, everything in my life around being better at that or learning more about that that particular thing. And for five years, it was real estate for sure. Um, I used to come home and and trawl through realestate.com and. Um, find potential deals, p- potential places I could renovate, potential this, that. I was subscribed to Australian Property Investor Magazine. My dad was subscribed to Property Investor Australia Magazine. I would read both of them back to front. 
I did, but I did enjoy it. You know, I didn't mind what I was doing. I liked going out and renovating houses. It was very creative. I'm a very creative person, so I, I took that as a creative um, outlet, I suppose. But the thing that was unhealthy was my reliance on if I wasn't doing well with a particular real estate investment, if um, my bank balance didn't reflect the way you know the amount of work that I'd put in, so on and so forth. Everything was just about ego and about trying to have more money so I'd be seen as, as successful, so I would be successful. Um, but it wasn't the the actual act of renovating real estate and, and the research and stuff. I didn't so much mind it. Um, but yeah, it was just an unhealthy amount of emphasis put on the fact that if you have money, then you're, you're a success, you know. Um, it was just, it was an unhealthy uh, it was skewed to an unhealthy degree in that in that direction. Mm, and yeah, I mean, it's money is a pretty uh, strong sort of external validator for people, uh, which I mean, again, it, society sort of places it in that in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, it sounds like you were pretty passionate about the the actual kind of process of of real estate as well, and, and what you were enjoying there, but. Becoming becoming unwell and kind of going through that. How did your like? How did your kind of values and your beliefs shift during that time to being kind of focused on on making money to sort of defining new stuff that you wanted to that you wanted to do with your life and you wanted to explore? Yeah, well, I had everything taken away. Um, I had my health taken away. I had my ability to um, play the sport that I love taken away. I had a lot of my friendships to a degree taken away because I, I kind of, or I pushed them away maybe. I, I hid from people while I was unwell. Um, I couldn't drink and, and go out and have fun, which was, you know, not the end of the world, but it was also as a young kid, you know, you, you, that's how things, that's what you do socially. You go out and you, you drink beers and hang out with your friends and so forth. I had, I had everything that I kind of looked at as a positive that I liked about my life. I had it all taken away in one fell swoop for this, for this period of time and I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to, get those things back in my life and and I realized that like what did I have you know what stories did I have what what experiences did I have what was I trying to build in my life and I realized that it it was it was right at the 6 month point of the, of a 12 of a 12 uh 12 month period of of um of treatment and stuff that I was going through that I it it really was like a like a light bulb moment I thought this is just all it's all wrong and I started I thought I thought what can I do to once I'm once I'm well, once I'm well, I'm gonna go and I want to just I want to go and do things. I want to go and see things. I want to go and explore. I want to get some excitement into my life. And what happened was, um, I remember I thought I just remember looking at my computer screen. And I thought, hmm, what am I what am I actually trying to do here? And then I thought, all right. And I googled um, bucket list destinations, hundred bucket list destinations, or um, yeah. So basically, I um, I went and found. Uh, a website called 100, Howard Hillman's basically 100 best sites to see uh, on the planet, really. And this guy, had uh, he'd believed, he believed that he'd seen uh, nearly everywhere there was to see, basically. He had a list of a 1,000 attractions, actually, and there was a downloadable PDF of the top 100. And um, so what I did was I downloaded that, printed it off, and I, I actually still have one of those in my travel diary to this day. Um, I have two, actually. I always have two in there. I have one that's got my destinations I've been that I always tick off, and then I always have one that I can give to somebody. Uh, I've given a few of them away. Um, 
I just think it's a really interesting tool and something awesome to get people excited. But I, I downloaded that and I realized that um, a lot of these destinations were all in South America and Central America. And still to this day, I feel like I'm out of my comfort zone the most and I really feel like I'm alive and I feel like I'm excited when I'm traveling, when I'm really, really in a new culture in, in, in somewhere where I can't understand the language, where I really feel out of my comfort zone. Um, so that really appealed to me. South Africa, uh, South America, Central America really seemed very rugged, very um, raw, and it was right across the other side of the world. So I started to formulate this trip, um, this idea for this epic South American journey. And um, yeah, so so basically that's what I looked to when I was when I was uh, when I was unwell. I looked to okay, as soon as I'm done with this terrible period in my life, I'm going to move on and I'm going to go and I'm going to travel and I'm going to explore and I'm going to have the time of my life and I can't wait to do that. And then obviously from then on, that's what I went and did and then it, it um, yeah, solidified the fact that travel is one of my biggest passions in my life and then yeah, I set out to try and make it my, my life, my vocation, I suppose. Awesome, man. Um, how, how much travel had you done before that and how scary was it to kind of get on the plane and, uh, and take off on that trip? Um, I hadn't really done much travel uh, earlier that year. Um, so I stopped my uh, – I finished my treatment and so forth. I went to Thailand with a buddy of mine and um, it was funny because I flew in. We were both flying in from different parts of the world and we were both flying out in different parts of the world. He was uh, – my mate Corey was going over to the UK to live. I was going back to Australia so on and so forth. I didn't see him for the first few days of um, about Thailand trip, and that was very exhilarating. I remember landing in um, Bangkok Airport and getting in a taxi out to my accommodation, and I felt like, oh my god, I'm doing this. I'm on my own. Um, who knows what can happen? Um, I can't even believe I'd, I'd got myself to a taxi to get to the accommodation. Like that's how I was. I was so proud of myself for doing even that. Um, so then, man, Corey travelled for a for a few, uh, a couple of weeks in Thailand. So I'd done, I'd done that. I'd done a couple of family holidays internationally, but that was basically about it. So when I landed and, um, and got set up in South America, I landed in Mexico to start my Mexican trip. I was more excited than anything else. I mean, everything that I've done in my life, I'm not saying, hey, check me out. I don't get afraid of anything, but I've never, I don't know, I don't get too nervous about things and get too daunted by by whether it's you know starting starting businesses or whether it's going traveling or starting a new um a new part of my life I, I don't i don't really think too heavily about things a lot of the time i just go ahead and do um and that was probably the case with my big south america trip i just i just got over there and i was like yeah cool i'll figure this out let's see see what happens here for the next i had seven months no real plan a little bit of money and um yeah so i just got over there and and got after it to a degree. Nice work. Just kind of got on and, and rocked it. Um, mm. With the like, with that attitude, just kind of getting out there and doing things. Has that? Have you found that's kind of served you well over the course of your life, or have there been times that have uh, it's kind of led you down uh, a bit of a rabbit hole that you didn't want to go down? No, it's definitely served me well. Um, I think the fact that I invested in real estate at nineteen years of age would be in that. Um, that helps with that you know when there's to me levels of risk since i was very young were were different to people of my similar age levels of risk you know whether it was especially financially and, and biting off more than you can chew in any way shape or form because 
you know, when I was when I was very young, I was dealing when my friends were dealing in, you know, wins and losses of of, of fifty, hundred, or hundreds and maybe maximum thousands of dollars. I was dealing in, in hundreds of thousands, you know. So the risk factor for me was always elevated, and I was always used to that. So I think that kind of transferred over into life. And I get asked a lot how I how how did you how did you get the guts to bite the bullet and start Adventure Fit and how did you how did you get your head around this and how did you what was the thought process behind that and and to be perfectly honest I don't think things through to a degree I just go right this is what I want to do I'm going to go do it and if it fails then it fails I mean the biggest thing is in life like if something doesn't work then there's no harm done you're not going to lose your family and friends because you had a failed business or a failed marriage or a failed friendship you know it's just it's all part of it so go out try try hard try and educate yourself be the best you can and then yeah if it, if, if it's going to work it's going to work and that's what I did with yeah a, a lot of the a lot of parts of my life I suppose over the last 10 years really so mate I mean your your philosophy of just kind of go out there and do it um, I mean if you're anything like me you've got a shitload of ideas that just kind of fizz around in your head uh, how do you differentiate the ones that you do go after from the ones that you kind of put aside and either think oh no these are these are absolute rubbish or actually maybe this is something that's worthwhile uh, pursuing at a later date yeah um, well I suppose you've just got to be smart about it. Like as, as much as I do just um, jump in, you know, jump in the, the deep end and learn how to swim on the way, I mean, I don't do that with absolutely everything. I don't go ahead and action every impulse that I have in my head. It just means that if I feel like I've got a good idea or if I feel like it's something that I really want to do and I've done a little bit of due, uh, due diligence, then I'll go and I'll, I'll action that. So, um, for example... Um, we had, uh, obviously we've got a podcast that's been up and running for probably two years now. And I never really thought about the idea of podcasting until I went to a, a business seminar and one of the presenters was up on stage for an hour talking about the benefits of podcasting and the, and the stats behind it and how it's the future of audio and so on and so forth. And I really liked podcasts. So I thought, well, I mean, it doesn't sound so crazy. It doesn't sound like so much work. So I'm going to go out and start a podcast and within you know, a month, we'd basically had the framework of what we wanted to do. And within another month, we were, we were, we were live on recording shows. So, but having said that, I've, I've thought about many, many, many different ideas, like you say, over the journey. But I mean, yeah, you can't action them all and you just have to kind of, do, you know, um, separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. I think having good people around you is always good. People to b- uh, bounce ideas off. Two of the things that um, I always recommend to people that have really helped me is um, I've got a, a virtual team overseas, uh, a team um, abroad that really helped in the Philippines, um, helped me grow my business very early on. But the other thing that I always talk about is having a mentor, you know, and a mentor is great for that, whether it's a business coach and it's a paid relationship or whether it's just somebody who's been through um, what you've been through or, or just business in general that you have as, a, as a, a family member, a friend or, yeah, a mentor in general, then that's always really handy because then you can have a second set of eyes because there is a lot of stuff that I've brought to the table that I've shown people and they've just looked at me and said, mate, you're an idiot. So, and you, you, do, you do need that from time to time. Um, sometimes I've said, yeah, well, I'm not an idiot. Watch this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I go and, go and do things anyway. But no, I just think you have to, 
yeah, be realistic and, you know, get good people around you and you should always, you should always at least, you know, give yourself a, a pretty good chance of, of doing well in whatever your endeavour is, I suppose. Yeah, mate. I, I completely agree with the, uh, the kind of the mentor slash coach role with it as well is that like if you're coming up with ideas and you're taking them to people that are, that are close to you, then I mean that often they'll react in one of two ways is that they'll kind of um, give you sort of positive affirmations around it because they, they don't want to hurt your feelings or they want to, they kind of think, Oh yeah, yeah, no, this is uh, it sounds like a weird idea, but um, yeah, you're, you're nice. So I'll, I'll say, yeah, that's cool. Or yeah. they'll actually try and they'll go the other way and they'll say, no, I don't think you should do that because they're trying to protect you and trying to keep you safe. Even mm-hmm. though if it's a, if it's a reasonably good idea, but having that kind of cultural mental relationship kind of, it gives a little bit more objectivity in terms of your, in terms of your idea. Um, and I work with a coach at the moment and I find it's, it's super valuable in terms of uh, just kind of clarifying things. And as you say, yeah, uh, this is a good idea or no, actually this isn't a good idea at all. Just, just kick that one to the curb or this could be a good idea. Go away and work on it for a bit longer. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're, um, I think you're absolutely bang on. I, I use that kind of um, rhetoric as well with, with my family. I know I did mention family as a, as a mentor, but yeah, your, your closest family are the people that, they do want to protect you, and they're the people that you should listen to least in a lot of scenarios. So you're absolutely you're absolutely right there. Um, so yeah, probably having an external mentor is probably um, yeah probably more beneficial than somebody that's super close to you because when things are tough and when things get hard and they, they want to see the the pain stop. And and being an entrepreneur, there's always going to be probably a little bit of that in the early days. You know, my mother used to tell me um, most of 2000 and 15 into 16 we're only three and a half years in with adventure and 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 mom mom used to uh she would always tell me for like 18 months that she wanted me to stop adventure shut the doors um it's it's killing me it's it's sending me broke it's you know it's too much and as much as i wanted to listen to her i just couldn't because i knew what i needed to do I, i knew the vision i knew how you know where i could get us to and i I didn't need that extra stress, so I actually, uh, it was quite funny, I actually banned my mother from, uh, from asking questions about AdventureFit for about 18 months. She was just straight up 100% banned. She would ask me something, I'd say, Mom, you're banned. I can't, I'm not answering that. And uh, yeah, so, no. Nah. But I think having a mentor has played a big part for me, and um, yeah, probably keeps me a little bit on the, on the straight and narrow to a degree with, uh, with my wacky ideas. Uh, that is that's awesome that you banned your mum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. mum, you banned. Go to your room. <laughs> Just getting your own back, hey, from being yeah, being a kid. Yeah. No, you can't have can't have the PlayStation anymore. Um, <laughs> hey, with with any any startup or like with with life in general, there's a there's a lot of pain that you go through with uh, with the tough stuff, eh? Um, and I mean you're you're probably still going through different types of pain now compared to what you were when you, when you started. How, how do you go about kind of dealing with that now compared to when you first kicked off AdventureFit? Has that changed, if it's changed at all? Um, yeah, it's definitely changed. Um, and that's a really good question. Uh, initially, so initially when I started AdventureFit, I was a young kid. Um, what I cared about most was, oh, you know, um, my social life, uh, I wanted to travel, I wanted to, uh, I don't know, I never really 
prioritize what I prioritize now. Nowadays, I prioritize my mental health, my happiness, my mood above all else. Um, and that probably became a fact through the necessity of meditation to keep me level-headed. I, I didn't meditate when I started Adventure Fit. Now I meditate every day. I, I write a gratitude journal every day. I have things in place every week to spend time with my friends, to uh, make sure I get exercise, make sure I'm eating well, looking after my gut health is a thing that I'm looking at now. Because basically being an entrepreneur is tough. It's super, super tough mentally, emotionally, physically, everything. It's tough. Um, so, and I went through super tough times. I went through a period where I, uh, where I had super severe social anxiety, which I'd never really had before. Um, went down a little bit of a depression-y path for a little bit there. Um, just, yeah, just, a, just an ordinary period. And I had to fight my way out. But also now, it's kind of, it's, I suppose you can always look at the grass, you know, grass greener and, and um, the bright side of every bad experience. And that's the fact that now I know myself so well and I've done so much work in the last two or three years to be able to be the CEO and founder of Eventfit and do a good job as an entrepreneur that, yeah, it's led me down this path where I basically prioritize my mood and happiness above all else. And I think it's insane that it took me that long to do that. You know, It took me to be a stressed, broke entrepreneur to, to figure this out because I genuinely believe now, like it's just, it's the most common sense thing that there is in the world. Like if you have everything, if you have everything that people say means you're successful in this day and age, you have money, fame, success, whatever, prestige. If you have all that and you don't have happiness inside of you personally, inside of you, then you've got nothing. You've got absolutely nothing. And if to the, you know, on the other, on the other, uh, looking at it from the other way, if you don't have much, if you don't have much of the commercial success that people would talk about right now, but you're super happy and you're super content with where you're at and you've got good people around you, then you've got all you need, you know, but, the, but people in society these days, no one thinks about life that way. And I, and I do. So there's a lot of things that I, um, yeah, that I try and do to make sure that I stay the happiest, best version of myself. Yeah, mate. And I think you're, you're kind of on a similar path to me as well with that is that, um, that's something that has become much more apparent to me in the last couple of years actually about uh, just kind of the, the looking after myself and I don't know if it's like, a, I mean when you're 18 you're, you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof anyway um, but it, it, does take a, it does take a while and often it does take a couple of kind of uh, rubbish experiences that you have to go through to, to start to kind of question yourself and question your beliefs and your actions a little bit more around that. And I mean, it, it's something that we should, uh, it's something that we should be teaching kids in school really is how to, how to prioritize your health, your happiness and your, your own well-being compared to, um, oh, most of the, a, a lot of the stuff they do teach in school is good, but, uh, I think this should be a, definitely a massive part of the, of the curriculum. I totally agree. I could not agree more. I think it's absolutely rubbish and ridiculous that we don't teach children about how to manage their own emotions, you know? Like, the difference between me handling a bad situation four years ago before I meditated compared to me handling a bad situation right now is night and day. I understand my emotions. I understand the difference between myself and my emotions. I understand the thoughts in my head are not me. You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, I'm angry, I'm anxious, I'm 
nervous, I'm excited, I'm scared. But they're all just passing emotions. They're thoughts, basically, thoughts and feelings that are in our head. If you have a bad, if you have a bad crazy thought, people always have bad crazy thoughts. I'm not going to name one, but say the worst thought you've ever thought in your head. You're not that person. That's not you. It's a thought. It's a, it's a strange little noise that comes from somewhere else in your head, and you have to be able to go, okay, that's cool, and you have to be able to, you know, separate that from believing that's who you are. And I wouldn't have been able to do that four years ago. I can do it now. And I think the fact that this isn't taught in schools is just it's ridiculous. I don't think nutrition, I don't think, you know, mindfulness and, and emotions, I don't think relationships, all the important stuff in life, it's not, it's not taught. You know, and, and a lot of really, really useful stuff is. So, yeah, I hope that'll change one day, and I feel like it will. I feel like people are getting more, I don't know, awoke to, uh, I don't know, to these concepts of mindfulness, meditation, happiness as, as a priority. I think that's it's trending in that direction, and I, and I really do hope that you know, kids in the next generations get a better, um, better, better education on that. You know, compared to what we did growing up and particularly compared to like my father and his father and so on and so forth. I think it's definitely trending in the right direction though. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. And I think it is, as you say, it's moving in the right direction and that might just be the kind of the circles that I move in now compared to the ones that I, that I used to. Mm-hmm. But, um, as you say, like our, our dad's generation and our, our grandfather's generation, like this, uh, this kind of talk wasn't wasn't even available, and I mean, you you couldn't just download a podcast of a, a couple of dudes talking about this stuff. So I think there's there's a lot of positives around it, but like any kind of social shift, it's it's going to take time, and it's going to uh, kind of be something that uh, just kind of needs sort of constant conversation around and, and constant attention to it. Um, and like one of the one of the things that I work on now is actually. I never used to be a real kind of uh, scheduled person. Like I always used to have this saying when I was younger that plans get in the way of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes they do. But actually, like the, the more that I kind of work on it, the more that I understand that actually if I'm scheduling in this, uh, the stuff that's important to keep me good as a person, um, kind of the, the better that I can be and the more engaged I can be in, in all of the other stuff and uh, the more that I can enjoy life if I if I tick these kind of big things off and make sure that I, I have time for them. Is mm-hmm. that a similar to a pro- approach to what you use, mate, or are there other things that uh, kind of you do to keep track of that? Um, you know what? To get myself into a routine, basically with my daily personal to-do list, I made a score sheet. So I got a whiteboard, uh, just a small whiteboard, like a little personal one. Uh, I put it in my kitchen and I divided it up into um, into every day of the week. And then, so horizontal lines and then, uh, sorry, vertical lines and then horizontal lines were all the tasks. So it was um, start with cold shower, meditation, green smoothie, um, exercise, rehab, see my friends, switch off my phones, don't know what else there was in there um, because I couldn't really get into a routine and I, and I had, to, had to, obviously, once you do things for a few months, it becomes you know, a habit and a routine, but until you get there, it can be quite difficult, particularly with meditation, particularly with um, gratitude journaling was another one. And I didn't really, it wasn't that I had to do every one of those things every single day, but I made it a challenge for myself. So 
I was like, okay, week one, let's see what I can do. And then I'd meditate three times in that week. I'd exercise four times. I'd switch my phone off for one full day, um, so on and so forth. And I gave myself a score. And then what I did was I did that and repeated it for maybe eight or 10 weeks. And I would always, I'm competitive. I'm just naturally competitive. So I'd look at my score last week. And if it got to a Saturday and a Sunday and I was 10 points below my last week's score, then I would just I would do all the, the amazing things that you should be doing for yourself. I would, you know, I would really go hard and try, and try and hit them all on the head. So I made a bit of a game out of it, to be honest. Um, that's how I got into a bit of a routine with all this self-development stuff that I, that I do now and, and my, my morning routine and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's probably not something that everybody, everybody goes and does. But no, I did, I did really want to try and make a good positive habit out of a lot of this stuff and and um and now like i wake up and i try and win the day before the day's begun so definitely without a doubt in the morning i will um i'll have the cold shower i'll write my gratitude journal and i'll meditate if i do more if i do exercise or if i read or if i um uh i don't know i don't know there's a million more things but all of them are um eluding me right now if I do more, it's a bonus, but yeah, I try and make sure I get at least those three things in, and um, and at least it's a it's mini wins for the day. You know, you're off to a good start. Yeah, I I definitely see where you're coming from with that as well as I, I know if I'm if I'm putting in kind of good stuff in the morning, if I'm ticking ticking those things off that look after me to start with. Um, then I I have a much better but uh, much better day. I'm a whole heap more productive uh, during the day. I don't feel as rushed. Um, like I feel like I've already got a couple of things under my belt that I'm that I'm proud of and that I'm I'm happy about and that kind of make me a make me a better person. And I think it is it's about kind of forming that stuff as as a habit. And often it's really easy to get down on yourself if you can't if you can't nail things straight off. Uh, but I mean, all, all the habit research, I mean, it's, it's variable. Some people say it's 21 days to form a habit. Some people say it's 90. But I think mm-hmm. it depends on the habit and, and how invested you are in it as well. Is there, There's going to be an element of that. Uh, for so sure, it's, for yeah, sure. Like when, you, when you're kicking things off initially, that you're going to miss some days. And the trick with that is when you're when you're forming a habit is just to get back on the horse as soon as you can if it if it kicks you off and the the problem is is that when you kind of give it away for a week and then basically you've got to start again from scratch mm-hmm. so you're like I like I like your competition uh with yourself about it uh I'm a reasonably competitive person as well and uh I kind of do a do a similar thing to to get me going um but I'm sure there are a lot of other ways out there to sort of help yourself kind of form a form a habit if you don't have that competitive drive yeah yeah absolutely mate um i know that we're we're a little bit pushed for time uh and we haven't actually talked that much about adventure fit other than <laughs> dropping dropping it in a couple of times so <laughs> we probably better we, we better hit that actually um so can you can you tell me a little bit about uh adventure fit and uh sort of what what it is that you want to achieve with that? Um, I want to achieve the biggest positive impact I can on people's happiness worldwide. I mean, we're not going to be the biggest company in the world. We're not a, we're not a technology company. We're not an, uh, an energy company. 
we're not, yeah, an IT company, but we can be the coolest company in the world that that gives the uh, the biggest positive impact to people's happiness. That's that's basically what it's about for me. It's all about happiness. I don't think there's enough of it in the world. I I genuinely I don't. I think we we prioritise the wrong things. The news is eighty twenty bad to good. Fuck, it's just it's it's dumbfounding to me. So. The thing that I can do, the thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to change that. We're trying to, you know, add more happiness to the world and we're trying to do that through travel, exercise, mindfulness and conversation. That's basically that's basically what we do. So um, we take people all around the world on fitness adventure holidays. That's Adventure Fit Travel. Um, adventure Fit Radio is the podcast. Uh, we're 140 shows in now. We're about to do a West Coast, uh, USA, uh, West Coast tour, doing, um, doing a run of interviews over there. We want to start to do keynote events, talking about um, really interesting things, really inspirational things, getting speakers out and, and do, um, do workshops and events. And uh, yeah, I mean, and we'll continue to grow from there. We started as a travel company. We'll continue to be, um, travel will continue to be a big part of what we do and probably our biggest breadwinner. But I'm just trying to create a, a lifestyle brand that really gives back to people in, in um, all forms of, yeah, happiness. That's pretty exciting, mate. Um, mm. Quick question about that. How how has your vision for it changed over time from when you started to, to now? Has there been kind of a couple of different iterations of that that you've gone through or is it is that kind of what you had locked in at the, when you started it out? No, I definitely started a travel company, not a, not a lifestyle brand. And, and now, you know, we're trying to transition into, into being a lifestyle brand. You know, I, I definitely started as... Well, to be honest, it didn't start as a travel company either, really. It just started as one trip. I'm going to say I'm going to put this trip out to the general public. Um, I wanted to start a gym and I wanted to take my, my members away on holiday with me every three months. And then I didn't have enough money for the gym. Um, but I had this idea for this trip that I wanted to do to New Zealand. So I thought, well, I'll register a business name. I'll get a logo design. I'll get a poster for the trip and I'll see if I can sell it. And I sold the first trip out with 200 Facebook um, followers and, and no website and so forth. So I didn't really, I didn't know what I was creating at the very beginning. Um, then a year in, I, I felt like I had a travel company. And then since about 18 months, two years in, I've, I've always kind of erred on the side of, I want to turn this into a all encompassing lifestyle brand. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where it will end, but yeah, my travel is, is probably, front and center and will continue to be. Um, and that hasn't really changed the way that we do the trips, the way that we, you know, the way that we prioritize certain things. But I mean, we're just always adding to, um, adding to, you know, our offerings and so forth. So yeah, it's probably just natural growth. If I wanted to create a, a travel company, I'd probably be further down the line of, you know, how many tickets we sell and how much money we're making to be perfectly honest. So whether that's a good or bad business decision, but I've always, um, being excited by telling stories and the media side of things and getting people motivated and excited and inspired. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. Um, nice, mate. Mm. I think that's, a, that's the exciting thing about it as well is that you kind of, there's so many options and you're not sure exactly where it's going to go and uh, that keeps it, keeps it really fresh. Mm. Uh, Doc, I've got a couple of uh, questions that I like to ask everyone before we, uh, we tie things off, mate. Uh, the first is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Uh, last uncomfortable thing I did was on Thursday of last week, I was up with my um, mentor slash business coach, um, 
Drew Slater. Uh, he's at Alchemy Institute, alchemy.institute. He's really great. I swear by Drew, I believe in him. Um, he had a mastermind event with his maybe 60 or so top-level clients. It was a two-day two event. And I presented on, um, on automation and, uh, and building, a, building a team abroad. So I've got three full-time assistants in the Philippines. They're like my family. They're like my brothers. Um, they've been working inside of AdventureFit for two and a half years. So Drew wanted me to, um, wanted me to present on our system on, on, uh, on basically outsourcing. And the plan was to do it in four months' time. Um, I was going to make a proper presentation, PowerPoint slides, videos, so on and so forth. And then Drew hit me up about three days before the event and said that I'd be doing it on this event, which I was just like, no, there's no way. I'm not ready. I'm not doing it. Drew convinced me that he would just interview me and I would just answer questions, which I was pretty okay with. I'm like, okay, well, that's not as, you know, I don't need to really be prepared for that. I can just, I can probably just get up and talk and that won't be too bad. But I was so, 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 so nervous before the event. I'm host of our podcast. We've done 140 shows. I could interview anyone under the sun right now and I would, it would not, my heart rate would not rise whatsoever. However, Speaking in front, of, in front of a large group of people, I've never really done that too much. I've emceed my uh, best man at my mate's wedding and emceed, and I've been best man at another wedding and not had to emcee, but there was beers involved. Uh, it was a different scenario. I never stood in front of 60 business owners and delivered anything. Um, and then, yeah, so I got up there, and, and I'd never probably been more nervous in my whole entire life nearly, and then I, um, yeah, I spoke for about 20 to 30 minutes without a breath really and it went off really well so um the only thing that really i could do there was i could just i had to get up and do it and the good thing was i uh i realized pretty early on as soon as i got about 30 seconds in i realized oh this is not so bad i'm gonna be okay there's you know what's the worst that can happen in this scenario and uh and yeah so that was definitely the last time i was super uncomfortable last thursday Oh, top work, mate. Uh, what is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Um, and I, I know you ask these questions every week, so I, I had thought about them before the show, but I don't, I don't particularly have something that's um, uncomfortable that's in the, in, the, um, in the pipes. I mean, oh, some, some of the things that I want to do travel-wise over the next 12 months, could probably looked at, be looked at as a little bit uncomfortable. I want to, I want to explore my consciousness a little bit. I want to go um, into South America and do ayahuasca. So that, you know, the thought of that makes me a little uncomfortable. Maybe more excited than, than uncomfortable. But it will be interesting to see where that road takes me. Um, mm. One of the things that I want to do travel-wise is I want to, I want to go over with. Uh, with a guy that I know, Jeff Mackley, he runs uh, expeditions inside of the uh, inside the belly of a volcano uh, in Vanuatu. So basically, you abseil down and uh, you abseil down the volcano, and there's a there's a, a landing a ledge about 20 foot from like the uh, the lava pit. You're basically in spacesuits and so forth, like it's full on. Um, so that's one of my plans for something I want to do over the next 12 to 18 months. So that's you know the idea of that makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, but I mean, day to day, I don't have anything that really makes me super uncomfortable right now. I'm pretty, pretty happy with how everything is, and I don't, I don't go looking for these things. You know, I don't go, I don't try to challenge myself. And when when a challenge 
comes to me, then I'll, you know, I'll uh, I'll address it. But I don't go looking for I don't go looking for these things. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you live a life that uh, kind of leads you into challenges on a reasonably frequent basis, anyway, with the stuff yeah. that you do. So, I mean, for someone sure. that just sits behind a desk all day kind of probably needs to go out and strategically get uncomfortable. But you've developed your lifestyle, so it it just kind of does that for you naturally. Yeah, no, for sure. Being an entrepreneur is uncomfortable day to day, so I've got I've got quite enough in my uh, in my life um, <laughs> yeah, as <mate>. it is. <laughs> uh, do you have any strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Yeah, I definitely do. I meditation is my number one strategy for sure. I think um, the more that I meditate, the more level headed and grounded and and uh, compassionate towards myself that I am. Um, I also understand my thoughts and, and my, my mind a lot more and my emotions. So meditation is definitely, um, it's not an acute thing. It's not like I'll go and meditate before I have something that's going to make me uncomfortable. It's just something that I do every day. And, and I, I just, I really do think it makes me a better, more well-rounded, more level-headed person. And the other thing that I think um, has been really powerful for me is through some work that I did with my psychologist when I was going through a bit of a rough trot, we we did a lot of work on worst case scenario stuff. So if this goes pear shaped, if this, so I had a lot of social anxiety. If this social interaction, if this party that I that I that I go to, if this um, new person I have to meet, if if it all goes pear shaped and they don't like me or I say something stupid or, or all these irrational things that you think about, if that happens, then what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that's going to happen at the end of the day? You know, are my friends and my family going to going to abandon me? Am I going to lose my dog? Am I going to lose the roof over my head? Am I going to lose all my money? Am I going to am I going to like am I going to, there's no you know, I think when you frame everything like that, what's the worst thing that can happen to me? What's the worst thing that can happen out of this scenario? Then you become a little more fearless to a degree. You know, because at the end of the day, there's not many things that we address in life. If I went up on Thursday and I sucked doing that presentation in front of the 60 people with Drew and, and, and his community, if I had have gone up and just bombed and started sweating, started fumbling my words, did a shit presentation, then I'd still be here talking to you on this podcast interview. I'd still be doing my work today. I'd still have my dog. I'd go home and get a cuddle from him, take him for a walk. I'd still have my friends and family. My life wouldn't have changed, you know? So I think... When you get, can get your head around that, um, the fact of, you know, it's, it's probably going to be all right no matter what happens, then, yeah, that can be really powerful, a really powerful tool, I think, going forward. Yeah, that's great advice, mate. Um, Bill, I just want to say thanks very much for taking the time to have a chat with me, mate. Uh, and also, as well, thank you for, for spreading happiness throughout the world and with the, the mission that you're on with Adventure Fit, um, kind of making making people's lives better and kind of touching uh, touching them in not really weird ways, but um, in, in nice ways uh, and, and making <laughs> making their lives improve. Touching them in I, weird ways. I wasn't I was, sure where you were going there. No, no, like, oh, I, wasn't well, either, right, I wasn't either. I was halfway through it. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh. Yeah. This, this is such a go. good show. Such a good show. We're gonna to have to can it now. We're gonna be doing the whole thing. We just cut, cut. Oh, mate, we're gonna to have to reschedule. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but thank you for yeah, 
Thank you for touching people's lives in a non-sexual way. Um, <laughs> and a sexual way from time to time. Don't, don't, don't worry. Yeah. Okay, well, I won't leave that out. <laughs> but um, when, if people want to check out you, check out AdventureFit, where should they go? How can they do that? Um, AdventureFitTravel.com is our website that has everything to do with our trips and all of our podcasts and our um, blog and so forth, basically everything what we do there. On all the socials, we are... Adventure with Travel, basically Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, me personally, if anyone wants to reach out personally uh, in relation to anything that I've spoken about, uh, you can feel free to email me at doc at adventurewithtravel.com, D-O-C at adventurewithtravel.com. Um, and that's about it, really. That's all, um, all, the, all the normal channels and stuff, I suppose. Awesome, bro. Um, doc, I've got one more question for you. Do you have a mm-hmm. challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Do I have a challenge to leave you and the listeners with this week? Um, yeah, I do. All right, so my uh, I wrote a blog recently about my morning routine, and what I did was I scored it out of uh, out of uh, not out of ten. I scored it. I gave myself points for um, basically points for meditation in the morning, points for having a cold shower, points for walking my dog points for all these things that you've got in a morning routine, right? All these things that you think can make you happy. And, uh, and I tried to score them and then always work on like a, um, I'm not making this sound so, so, um, so coherent right now, but basically I tried to score my morning routine and I tried to set a, uh, set a baseline. Yeah. Set a benchmark, set a baseline and then try and always hit that every day. So meditation is probably worth three points. Walking your dog in the morning is probably worth two points. Uh, cold shower is probably worth one point, so on and so forth. But it's different for everybody. Find the 10 things that you want to do to make your morning better, to win the day before it even starts. Give them a score. Give yourself a baseline and, uh, and challenge yourself for a week. See if you can hit that baseline. There's my challenge. It's an awesome challenge, mate. Uh, Doc, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Cool. No worries. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on the show, Chris. It's- been a yeah it's been my pleasure coming on